Minnelly. Hey. <laughs>
and moving back in and ship this stuff if they need to. Really? Yeah. Who started that? Uh, I started this campus. So it's like a national company, but it's like oh, a branch. Okay. So like each college has their own branch. And I, I started it. one at the University of Richmond. So is that like one of many side hustles? That's your main side hustle? Uh, that's my main side hustle. Okay, tell us the other ones. Uh, I actually don't have that much. Okay. I don't have that many. That one's like the only notable one, okay. I'll, say, I'll say. Good, good. So I've been doing that. This is my third year doing third that. Third year? Wow. Yeah. Um, it's been It's been a ride. Big moving trucks, uh, all move out week. If you see me, I'm probably hanging off of one. Really? Yeah, driving through I campus. I saw some kids today yeah. hanging off of a moving truck. Nice. Yeah, that was me. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. That's, that sounds like a cool gig. Yeah, so you said your major was? I Leadership. That. Leadership. Okay, so what is what is that giving in terms of the work that you um, and your fellow Black Student Coalition leaders are involved in? Leadership, I think, even prior to, to this past movement, I took a class with uh, Dr. Corey Walker. It was mm-hmm. Lessons from the Black Freedom Movement. Yep. Um, and we really interrogated um, social movements, um, ones on college campuses and ones you know, on a national stage, um, and derived a lot of leadership principles and practices from that, from that study. Um, and so I think a lot, of, a lot of that knowledge was applied to you know, create or foment um, something that um, become sustainable change. Mm-hmm. So having, you know, really engaged black professors, especially in the leadership field, helped you like develop your leadership identity on this campus. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I, I had two black leadership professors, um, both of which had a profound impact on my experience here. Um. And so, yeah, I'd say definitely, uh, you know, Dr. Hader and Dr. Walker. Nice. Um, have been real, really good mentors um, to me. So give me the story about, like, how uh, coming from West Philly, being an expert in, like, um, student moving organizations. Like, <laughs> give me the story about, like, how you got to University of Richmond. Because we were definitely, with um, the episodes prior to this, which I'm sure you'll hear, we were definitely just talking about that that contrast of like how as black students and I went here as well for undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of like you what they sell you that brings you here is often very different of like what the community and what the culture is actually like and mm-hmm. like the some of the challenges that you go through um, being a black student at U of R are just like not what happens when you get recruited here when you when you experience freshman year and it's like all like glamorous and stuff mm-hmm. and then something happens as will was saying there's like a click where you're like oh like this place is not excuse me at all what i uh thought it would be or like what they were selling to get me here mm-hmm. so tell me that story of just like how you got here um and what that um moment was like for you yeah so it's, it's crazy i didn't know the university originally existed before i was what 17 okay um i went to so i was in charter school in philly and i tried to go out to this private school my ninth grade year i didn't get it i didn't get to go out there people didn't have enough money whatever whatever mm-hmm. um so i ended up going out there and i met um this math teacher her name is mrs uh, tracy motley um and she was a really good mentor for me she was like the only black woman i ever had in a classroom um and so you mean in my- west philly I, I went to I went to school out in the county. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, so that was like an hour, hour and a half away. 
So I took a couple buses and trains to go to school every day. Um, Not buses and trains. Yeah. Yeah, buses and trains. Um, And so while I was out in the county, I met Mrs. Motley. And she kind of, like, took me under her wing, tried to, you know, mentor me. We all Um, have one. We all have a Miss Motley. Yeah, yeah. You (laughs) always got that one. And so, like, I was going to go to college. But, you know, where I'm from, people, like, you'd be lucky if you go to, you know, Bloomsburg or or Shippensburg, you know, local state schools. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with those. Um, But I was like, you know, college is college. But she was like, nah, you need to go to the University of Richmond. Um, because she had, she taught Mariah Williams. Okay. Um, and. how the world is small. It really is. <laughs> and she was like, you know, you, sh- you should apply. And I was like, yeah, I'll apply, but I don't think I'm going to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Little did you know they needed you. Yeah. <laughs> low key. Um, right. But she, she helped me with my essay and like my application and I sent it in. Um, and it was the personal statement. Um, I wrote. What'd you write about? I wrote it originally for. um, I wrote about like just like my life and coming up, and I wrote it originally for QuestBridge, which is a a national scholars program for low income kids to go to a full ride to a top school. I got rejected from that, but I used the same essay to apply to University of Richmond. Come on, black people, we're so resourceful. (laughs) And. You and you're about to graduate, right? Yeah, I'm about yeah. to graduate. I love how you're dropping this bomb right now. Like, actually, that essay wasn't even for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a diss track. <laughs> nah, but what was crazy was, um, you know, I tweeted a little bit, but the admissions mm-hmm. officer read it and was like, nah, let's accept this kid. Um, and so I got here. Um, that's, how I, that's how I got here. I, I, played, I applied ED. I don't even remember what other colleges I applied What's to. ED? Early decision. Oh, okay. So you get here, it's freshman year. Um, compare and contrast your freshman year with senior year and the work that y'all are doing now that has like brought us together to have this conversation. Freshman year, I was like, I was floating. Me too. You know, I, I was floating. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of resources. <clears throat> yeah, it's like. It's a beautiful place. Like the gym's is, the gym is free. I, I love, I live right next to the gym. Mm-hmm. The food is unlimited. Yeah, I mean, the resources are great. I experienced that, too. Of Like, I was a transfer student. I came mm-hmm. from a school that just, like, wasn't as resources as this one. And, like, definitely you're kind of blinded by, like, well, damn, there's just, like, so much here for me mm-hmm. um, that I think it takes a little bit of time to seep in of how the culture is, which yeah. I think y'all's work really calls out. So tell me a little bit about, like, just that compare and contrast between your freshman year and the work that you're doing now with the Black Student Coalition. Uh, I think, you know, getting to college, it's like a mist, mm-hmm. um, and it's a veil and you get here, like the, the, the progression is you get here, you're excited. Mm-hmm. Um, you start to realize, okay, I'm, I'm a black student on a white campus. Um, it's going to be tough, you know, but I enter with the mindset that like, I'm just here to get a piece of paper, um, and then, and then be out. Yeah. Right. Um, but you get here, you get excited, um, and then you're like, okay, let's do something about, like, what we want to see, what we think needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And then you, you're, you know, charged with this burst of optimism. Um, and that was, like, my sophomore year where we, I worked with uh, Kayla Connolly. She's a senior, too. Um, has been really instrumental for a lot of things on campus. And 
like we started a restarted an organization together. We tried to petition to build a multicultural house on campus. And then you get to junior year. I went abroad. Where'd you go? London. Nice. Sydney. Oh, really? South Africa. Yeah. The study abroad programs here are right. Yeah. Now the racism is a different story, but study abroad is, is yeah. Abroad is they right. did something right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they because I feel like me. I feel like as an undergrad here, it's like the study abroad office was very wraparound, like very mm-hmm. supportive. But I feel like they there's just like a an environment on this campus where it's like everybody should study abroad. Yeah. And yeah. as black for me as a black student, I was like. Study abroad, and then I was like, "Wow, well, this just sounds like a free trip, so I'm gonna make this happen." Yeah, and it was. It was. It's a good experience, and yeah. I feel like you know, low key, I think there's just something to be said about being experiencing being black outside of America, it, especially it's during it's the pivotal moments of college. Like, it's like it's just an experience that you have to have. I it think, is if you, you don't, can, you know, you don't realize like you're like entered in this new environment. Especially when I was in London, I was looking at me and all types of people from. East, South, West, uh, Africa. Yeah. People from, you know, South Asia. Just a different vibe. It is. It is. So you were in that mist freshman year, and then we're going to fast forward. We're kind of doing time machine right now. We're going to fast forward to joining with your fellow um, community folks and comrades to be, you know, to organize. Mm -hmm. You know, y'all are are student organizers um, and scholars, you know. what led to that? Like, well, what was I, the moment where you were like, it sounded like you were already involved, but like, what was the moment where you were like, nah, we're going to make these demands. I'm going to be a part of this. And, you know, it's funny. I actually wasn't that involved with it. Okay. And I wasn't, I didn't take a particular, I didn't take a leadership role in the black student coalition, like a Kayla or a Kia did, mm-hmm. um, or a Shira. Um, but I was, you know, I signed the petitions and I was with everything, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't as involved. Mm-hmm. So it, it goes back to what I was saying, you know, the, the progression of, of college. Uh, I went abroad not because I wanted to go anywhere, but more so because I wanted to leave. Mm. Um, and leave so, here, leave America? like Leave here, leave America. Yeah. Um, and so when I got back, COVID hit. I didn't spend any time here. Uh-huh. And senior year came. And I was just like, you know, I, you know it's, a, it's a funny thing. Um, it's not actually not funny at all, but you know, you get through college and you realize how many, how much labor it takes to try and change the place that is supposed to, um, already be an environment where you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so at senior year, I just didn't feel comfortable putting in any, mm-hmm. any more effort. No, I feel that. I mean, it just sounds like you're talking about learning self-preservation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that's like a, a really important tool and something that institutions can't often teach black students um especially when you know their their in order for their mission to work often depends on what depends on y'all like kind of coming in and like helping them figure it out right and not all students want to do that like it sounds like you're you know on some self-preservation track but also thinking about like i want to be a college student i want to study abroad i want to see the world i want to be black and happy like i don't have Mm -hmm. to do those things by only like helping this institution like change, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of, I feel that it's kind of twisted because like nothing we're saying is new. Mm-hmm. Right. No, you're right. I mean, there's a lineage of, of black student organizing on this campus in Richmond, the city, especially in Richmond, um, where it's unfortunate that like time after time, the, the demands and what we're asking for 
um, are often connected to like folks who came before us. So it, you're right that it's not anything new. It's just that it's such higher ed is a slow moving ship that they'll make you think that what we're asking for is new. And it, and it's I think about it twofold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nothing we nothing we demand is new. Um, what that's needed in order to provide the will that often lacks in the university administration, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it's the fact that no one's going to do anything until someone says something. Um, and that so, the people who have to say something are all, often the ones who um, need to be spoken for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not my job to come here um, and try and speak on behalf of every black student mm-hmm. to try to create a, a solution, right? But it's necessary because otherwise no one would do anything, mm-hmm. right? It's not a problem until you make it a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I mean when it says it's kind of twisted because everyone knows it, right? If, if you don't know it from the student experience and voices on your own campus, it takes nothing to look at other colleges of similar size and stature and look at what they're doing for black students um, and implement the same thing. Mm-hmm. your thoughts about like legacy so you have just completed your four years of college which um i know even if it's not just about like what you got from the classroom experience but like it's four years being away from home being placed um somewhere else in a new city studying abroad like you've had four years to really like find yourself grow um if you already found yourself before college like it's four years to really invest in yourself Mm -hmm. and like you know explore new parts of yourself um like you know i I think some of us come out on college campuses, some of us, um, you know, explore or change our um, professional goals. Like it's just, a, it's four years to just like invest in you, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, what are your thoughts about like legacy? And as you talk about like, you know, getting to that realization that self-preservation was like very, you know, important for you um, when it comes to being involved on the student and like being involved as a student so just like what are some things that you're closing the door to um as you leave u of r so things that you have experienced here where you're just like i'm not i'm not, i'm washing i'm washing that off my back and like i'm not dealing with that wherever i go next like yeah um i think legacy is i don't i haven't thought about it really mm-hmm. it's 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 uh, a trip to probably Think about it this young, mm-hmm. you know, and you're talking about the legacy of college. I'm mm-hmm. talking about, you know, life's legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've thought about it and, you know, it wasn't my particular goal to come in and make this place better than when I found it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happened that, you know, it's I, I did enjoy the work, you know, of more specifically working with the people yeah. and the fellow students and the fellow student leaders. That was that was a particular highlight. But, you know, my only hope, I guess, for a, a legacy is to, you know, somebody does remember me. Be like, you know, he tried um, and was genuine and succeeded. Um, I mean, to some degree, y'all brought awareness um, and also centered your authentic voice and said no to the things that you cannot accept. And you did it in a very like public, clear way, mm-hmm. you know, and I think. Um, whatever side of history 
listeners are on that are listening to this, yeah. like at least you know that like there are black students on this campus and beyond, um, black scholars who are not gonna just like settle for the okie doke, are right. not going to um, you know come to this place and just because we have scholarships or whatever or good housing or food or gym access, whatever, it doesn't mean that you're going to just like turn a blind eye to the things that, you know, um, do not benefit the larger population of, um, yes, black students, but of students, um, on this campus. Cause we know that like when we're good, everybody's good. Right. So I do think that, um, y'all are setting a, a type of standard where, you know, folks who are, um, listening or not, you know, are going to have to make a decision about what side of history they want to be on. And then, and another part I, I'd add um, to the legacy piece is, um, if you know me, you know I'm from Philly, mm-hmm. right? Um, I never tried to shy. <laughs> if you don't know, not you, and now you, you know. yeah, you're giving me like we need a we need a beat. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna put a beat right there. Like you mean like I never, I've I've tried to make it, um, not a point, but. You be try to stay very close to home. Be cognizant of like, yo, I'm not, I'm not finna come to a white college, and you know I mean sit up straight because I'm in a class with you know the daughters and sons of CEOs and whatnot. You know I mean, uh, and I think, I think that in terms of legacy, it would be, I probably won't see it with my own eyes, but the next kid that come from a Philly, mm-hmm. a New York, yeah. uh, a Chicago. I mean, it's cool. Like, be yourself. Like, cause you just as smart as Period. anybody else. Yeah, it I don't matter what you dress. What the black you dress experience like. in America is an intellectual experience. It gives you a PhD because of the stuff that we have to. We have to learn how to navigate this. This exactly this shit, you know, and that gives you a level of 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 intellect that you know nobody can take away, and that intellect cannot be distinguished by how you sit. In class, or how you wear, or how your you hair. talk, yeah. or how we you know, walk. Yeah. I love that we know that. I was just talking to Will that, like, you know, one of the things that these institutions, um, and yes, this is like a shade to U of R, but not only U of R because higher ed in general has a problem. Oh yeah, you know, one of the things that I think these institutions often forget is that the students who are in their space, um, especially Black students, because I'm talking, this is Black Matter. I'm talking to Black students, um, are brilliant, right? Like, it needs to be learned from. And you shouldn't be in higher ed, whether you're a college president, college professor, college administrator, RA, whatever. You shouldn't be in any type of like leadership or community representation in higher ed if you're not willing to like engage in learning exchange, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's not just like because you're the college president, you are the only one that interacts with the board of trustees and like you're the spokesperson for all. It's like, no, because mm-hmm. there are, everybody has blind spots. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I'm like, I'm a black, I am a black alum at U of R, but I, I grew up in the suburbs of Connecticut. So I grew up in a neighborhood that looks very similar to this one mm-hmm. um, and was the low income black family in a rich white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So there are certain blind spots that even I carry um, where I know that I don't represent the black experience at large at University of Richmond. And it's in the same vein of, you know, James Baldwin said, I might butcher this, but James Baldwin said that as one becomes educated, um, they start to question the environment in which they are educated. Period. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for sure. And that's a, a part of the, that's, a, that's another parallel of that progression of college is like you get here and you think higher education has a monopoly on knowledge production. Mm-hmm. Right. And you get to the end and you're like, and you think that higher education has to look a certain way in order for it right. to be quote unquote higher education. Like for me, I, um, the way that I learned that I don't speak for 
the full black experience at U of R is because I grew up in the white suburbs, like where this place is located. So a lot of the caucasity that happens here, I'm not saying that I accepted it, but I was just like, white people are going to do white people. Like mm-hmm. white people are going to be, they're going to behave like white folks. White supremacy looks this way. I have already seen it. So when there were incidents here or when I experienced certain things here as, a, as an undergrad, I think I was just like, um, kind of, you know, just like whatever, that's just Caucasian BS doing what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because I became jaded to it and learned to just like, you know, see it as something that's over there and I'm still going to focus on studying abroad and trying to do these things over here that are going to bring me personal joy. It doesn't mean that all black students should have to like, um, approach it that way. Mm -hmm. I think there's, I think there are, um, just some intellectual dishonesty that we do when we kind of, um, tell black students that like, you know, just, just keep going or like, just keep succeeding because we know that like for everyone getting the college degree doesn't mean that you're just like totally good. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't mean that like yeah. it's your mental health good. Like, are you investing in yourself while you're in college? Are you making sure that like outside of your class experiences, like you're preserving yourself in a way that you're not being so like damaged from the lack of um, belonging here mm-hmm. that you like finish here and then you go into like a, a type of depression and stuff, you know? Yeah. So I think mental health is like just, very important um, conversation to be had for the types of transitions that happen when students leave a place like West Philly and come to a space like U of R where they're supposed to be welcome and then feel that like just the aesthetics and the architecture and the, the way that whiteness can be centered in these spaces, but not like um, acknowledge that that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. It can create this, like, like you said, um, I forgot the word to use, but like uh, it's, it's like disturbing. Yeah. Yeah in a way. So speaking of that, um, I just think there's just a lot of complexity about being like a student and now transitioning to an alum. So what's that feel like for you? Like in terms of the demands that y'all have set, whether they get met or not, I know some of them have already met, but like now that you're transitioning to alum, do you feel like you still want to be engaged or do you feel like you're like kind of done with this place? Like the whole four year experience, what is it giving you that you're taking um, with you as an alum? Um, it's, it's another, I think a second tier to how twisted it is. Twisted. Yeah. That was where we're going to call this episode twisted <laughs> with TJ. <laughs> that'd, be, like, that'd be a cool. Sounds a like cool an album. Yeah. You're giving me, are you musical? Nah, uh, you're giving me like, like you're about to spit. Hey, I can, if you need <laughs> me to. You feel me? Yeah. I know. Let me, no, no, <laughs> it's not what I came here to do, but it's twisted. Cause I, I, deeply care about the the kids that come from environments like me mm-hmm. that come from that come through here mm-hmm. that come through here in terms of the university of richmond yeah yeah right because uh, there's such heavy recruiting on getting y'all here yeah but then staying here is a different conversation yeah and, it, and a lot of kids don't like i mm-hmm. i'd love for you know because i know because it's 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 twofold right because i know coming from an environment where i come from right low income black neighborhood inner city whatever whatever a lot of a lot of choices you make are material and driven by material needs right cuz i'm going to go to college i'm not going to mm-hmm. live in those type of neighborhoods anymore I'm gonna and go. a lot of that is that narrative of like you need to get out to be successful exactly. yada 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 i'm at, at risk youth like i right. a lot of that is false advertisement and and for the kids who may subscribe to that mode of thought whether it's wrong or not, right? They're going to be here. 
They're going to get here. Yeah. And it'd be my hope that those kids are taken care of. Right. And, you know, I've tried to do as much as I can on this campus Mm. with that particular group in mind. That's a very like beautiful kind of community uh, driven mindset. Yeah. Because you know that the system is going to do what the system does, which is bring um, students from certain neighborhoods um, to an institution like this. But you also have experience firsthand that like that's not enough. Yeah. And that's the other part of it is I want to stay engaged. I will never donate to the University of Richmond. <laughs> Say that again. Right. I, will, I won't. I will never donate to the University of Richmond. And why is that? One, you know, it's pr- a lot of practical costs. One opportunity. And, and also we're just disaffi- you're just dis- right. <laughs> we're disaffi- we can't donate. We're not yeah. allowed to right now. That's one reason. <laughs> and the other reason is just, you know, like practical opportunity costs, right? If I can give a thousand dollars here, the thousand dollars is going to go a lot farther somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. I respect that. Um, and the listeners should respect that too. And I think it's an interesting question. I mean, I think for an institution that obviously we know centers money in various ways. Um, I think it's an interesting dialogue to talk to black students, black alumni mm-hmm. as of Sunday um, about money and about like, why would you not give? Cause I can't tell you how many folks um, like I'm 32. I graduated from U of R in 2011. And like, I can't tell you how many alumni that I run into. Um, Cause there are black people who have money. Yeah. Sorry to the listeners that think we don't. Yeah. Right. You're like, there are a lot of black alumni that are like, I got money, but I'm not giving to U of R. <laughs> and why is that? You know, but you know what, what I think it is. There's way more of us than uh, of us. Like I got money, but yeah, <laughs> actually there's way more of us than um, I think the campus accounts for. And I, I think that's a common narrative that like, if you don't take care of us or you don't listen to us or you don't, you know, do the proper culture shifts that allow us to get here and feel value to persist here and to thrive here, as they like to say, um, then yeah, then you're missing out. You're not going to get a return on your investment. I will say this. This is why I think a lot of black people don't donate. Okay. I don't, I won't donate to the university's Richmond general fund. Okay. Right. I'm not funding your operate operations for sports or general maintenance, whatever, whatever. I don't have that much of a sentimental attachment to this place. Mm-hmm. Right. But, and this was a long, like when we tried to start the multicultural house, um, if the University of Richmond puts out uh, uh, an email or a notification to say, hey, we're trying to build this house for students of color, it's going to take $6 million. Uh-huh. It, Not your um, When you bang on the table. Uh, yeah. okay. I'm like, you know, I can't. Oh, okay. Are you banging in my ear? <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my bad. Uh, I can edit that. But it'll take $5, 6000000 million. I think. To do the multicultural house? Yeah. Okay. Or even a black house. And you're saying like you would donate to those I would, things. I would donate the things to that those increase, specific things. The things that increase like student belonging and the tangible ways that you know yeah. will help. Yeah. That, that, that needs that amount of money. It's all connected to what you said about like you want to make sure that you support the students that are coming from inner cities to kind of like be here and be good while they're here. Right. So you're going to give to those causes. Exactly. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of black alum would mm-hmm. if they have money. Like, hey, we're trying to do this. Even I if you have so the spe- students, go speak to them. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's not that, you, you lost me, yeah, yeah. you know. Talk to me a little bit about that. So it sounds like you were really passionate about kind of creating that multicultural house on campus. Um, but let's explore some more of that tension about um, a sense of belonging here, mm-hmm. right? So did you establish that? I hear that it, 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 it happened from the folks that you worked with. 
yeah. on some of the political change that y'all are orchestrating at U of R. But um, just how do you navigate um, belonging um, in this space, <clears throat> especially as a black male on campus, as a black male that, you know, is from inner city environment where you're coming to this kind of like secluded, very plush, like curated um, mm -hmm. environment. Right. And there's lots of things to be said about that, but like it's aesthetically, it's just like a very different shift. Like yeah. I yeah. think Philly is a fab city. I, I've spent time in Philly. Um, I'm about to be spending more time in Philly. Yeah. Um, so I just can see the, the differences. Yeah. Right. It's definitely a disconnect. One, yeah. it, it was like, so did that play into you like, working hard to find a sense of belonging or just like, what was that process like in terms of you establishing belonging here? I think I lucked up to be honest with you. If you talk to another black student, you probably hear a, a completely different experience. Um, but I was lucky enough and what facilitated my belonging was the group of friends that I found freshman year up until today. Okay. Um, and so it was like, it was like five, six, seven of us. And, you know, you have your people outside that, you know, your one-off homies. But it was that core group that I think, and each one of them will probably tell them that if it wasn't for them, then college would have been a lot harder. Yeah. Um, it had nothing to do with the University of Richmond or anything that they try to facilitate. I mean, as black people, like, I think it's in our blood, especially you coming from a big city, like, yeah, a big black city too. Yeah, like Philly. You know the history of Philly. We um we know how to create community yeah. wherever we are, and it's true. And build world, you know. And that was that was uh, a large part of it. You know, you talk about the distinction between like coming from a place like Philly, I'm to University of Richmond. It was like, oh, like I can't walk anywhere. You know, I can't. <laughs> it's it's a nice campus, but in a way, it's really bland. But it's not, it's, it just doesn't have the vibe that you're used to. And there, yeah, there's not, just a lot of transition. It's, not, it's no electricity, you know, no electricity. <laughs> it's no, it's not electric. And maybe you shouldn't look for that when you come to, to college or whatever, but it was like, it's nice. You're saying it's not giving what it was supposed to give. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's not going to be Philly. It's not going to be a city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you know, Richmond, I, I'm always surprised. I have to say, like, I got to call out a little bit, like, I'm always surprised about how many students that come to University of Richmond, no matter where you're coming from, and just like really don't explore Richmond. Yeah, a lot of people. Do. I like Richmond. Yeah, I love Richmond too. I mean, I, I, like I ended up living here, and I I know that there's all these like you know campus barriers and structures, and it's a white campus, et cetera. I get that, but like as someone that really has learned a little bit of something about just Black history from living in Richmond, the city. I'm always just so surprised how secluded um, you of our students. It's crazy. It's yeah. like bubble is, is get on wrong. the bus. No, nobody, nobody really leaves. Do you go downtown? Like, have you experienced? I live off campus. Oh, okay, so my scene and yeah. the food, like, it's the food is really good. Black restaurants yeah. galore. There's film, black film festival, African film festival. Like, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that happens here that just coming from Connecticut. Like, we we grew up in completely different, you know, uh -huh. environments. Like, coming from white new england like suburb connecticut like where it's like just a little more boring and like a little more expensive cost of living like it's just not as electric as you said yeah, right yeah. and having to go to like new york to experience that um i feel like when i came to richmond i was just like it just has a vibe it just has a vibe. it's a small city yes and i feel like after a few years you're like okay i need to travel or like experience somewhere else but like it just has a black vibe like that it runs does. throughout the city it does it, it does. does and that's the history you know because of of where Richmond is placed 
in terms of slavery. It just has a vibe. Yeah, I like I like yeah. Richmond a lot. I I do as well. What part of uh, Richmond do you live off campus? Uh, like downtown. Nice, that's good. So yeah, then you do get to experience Richmond outside of University of Richmond, and it's really different. Like it's, it's very different. That was that was the point. So different. I mean, it's like it transforms your experience because like I just come here, go to class, and then my life is in the city. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, when you live out here, your life is out here and only out here. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't ever have to leave. What experiences, you know, specifically um, on campus or off campus where you have felt that you have really like built community? Um, and how have you, how have you done that? It's moving off campus for you, a part of like what you needed to do in order to really like establish a sense of community in Richmond or uh, are you still just like, I'm ready to go back to Philly? <laughs> Uh, now nah, moving off campus was more of a practical decision. Okay. Um, but I think a more specific experience, I think about sophomore year when me and Kayla Connelly's nickname is KK. Okay. Um, me and KK refounded what was called the multicultural student solidarity network. Okay. Um, and like, we were able to like kind of build an organization. We had like a, a few people come and we threw like a lot of. I want to say a lot of events, but a number of events where parties. It wasn't parties. It was like we did a like something in the current. It was okay. like it was called Culture in the Current. Yes. Um, KK ran that, and it was like a nice mash of like different cultures. You had different foods. Like nice. It was like a dance party or whatever. Um, and then we did like this networking thing where we invited Richmond professionals to come. Nice. Come sit on the panel. Um, Thanks for the invite. I did. I didn't, <laughs> I'm didn't just, know I'm you just messing with you. I wish I did, but like, did y'all have parties in the pier? Like, I when I was here, we had like the huge dance parties right downstairs. Mm -mm, I never. never that, it, it was like that was more the site for like the poetry nights and like the talent shows. Oh, I remember like uh, not often, but I I remember like black students throwing huge parties, like an actual party down there. Yeah, really? that's never happened here. No, wow. No. Things have changed. Not that I remember. Okay. But I mean, I you're like, like COVID college student, so it's all been different for the past at least like year and a half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I, th I think about that, that particular experience um, with MSSN. Mm -hmm. We were really intentional about building, building community. And, you know, to, to a large degree, I think we did that. And it sounds like your ways of building community and the experiences that you've had where you felt like you belonged here, um, was that all like student led or were there like, some you know faculty staff administrators are part of that um i think it was mostly student mostly led. student led but yeah. i think a lot of the faculty the faculty i think if you talk to a lot of students the faculty get uh um you should give faculty credit because a lot of the professors made me feel like i was you know really welcome here um, and it was those one-off experience, those individual experiences. Yeah, I mean, we all have, I feel like everybody has that one person or two people here that are just like your like mentors, like person where you close the office door and you just like let it all out. Yeah. Who was that for you? Um, Dr. Um, Thad Williamson mm -hmm. in the leadership school. Okay. Uh, Dr. Walker when he was here. Yep. He was only here like a year. I ago. know. Yeah, he wasn't here long. That was my guy though. I hear his name mentioned a lot, but he he was he was really that boy for real. That was he was cool people. Yeah, but he didn't you know, they don't keep the cool ones. Yeah, they don't. And or the cool ones don't stay. They don't stay. Yeah. I don't blame them. <laughs> um Dr. Hader was is another one. She's not here anymore, but Dr. Kelly Chapman. 
Yeah, I had I had a professor in um sociology she who's was a not sociology. here anymore. Yeah. That I was I was really close with too and I um she's she left a while ago, so I don't remember her name. Um, and the dining hall staff. The dining hall staff, yeah. Because those is my homies, yeah. You know, I I mean, even though I feel like some of the aunties and uncles that yeah. were here when I was undergrad are not here anymore, but like even though I don't know them personally, just like seeing them every day, you know, having someone that looked like you who really felt like a family member. They did feel just like be family. like, How are things going? Like Yo, did they getting on your nerve? Like it's this one lady. And I think that that plays a I think we don't give the staff. I mean, obviously this campus has an overabundance of black staff, which Mm -hmm. is another conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But as black students, I think that we don't give enough um, credit to just like that um, kind of that uh, unspoken connection that you have to just like always seeing black staff and knowing that they know like. Yeah, how is it's, it? It's, how is it going? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a Dante of, in the mail room. Yeah, yeah. Dante is like one of the managers at the mail office. Like you know, I like talk to Dante probably once a week, and he had been here. He's been here forever, probably. He's been here. I think he had already had some years under his belt um, at University of Richmond as a staff member when I was here as undergrad. So seeing him now and seeing him then, like just the pride that you feel when like, like Dante knows that I like started here as undergrad and now I have a PhD. Mm -hmm. So like when we see each other, it's just like this level of like, he knows, you know? And I feel like that is just really important and we don't always, um, take a moment to shout them out. Yeah. That's why I got this, this one lady, she from the Bronx. (laughs) Her name is Jay. She, she swipes people in at at the, Every 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 day, and I don't even have a. Uh, uh, um, Can we call her I mean, out now? <laughs> I don't have a. I don't have a. I don't have a. A, a meal swipe, mm-hmm. and I don't. I don't eat at the dining hall. But I will go in just to talk to her. Wow, see just, those just things, see up. and I think those things matter. Like with all the work that y'all are doing, and all the things that y'all are calling out in terms of just like the lack of mm-hmm. for Black students on this campus. Um, I think it's just like, I think I think it's. Not the only thing, but it shows that like repre- representation matters and that we need to treat the staff, you know, better than they're being treated on this campus because they do help with like making black students and black faculty um, mm-hmm. feel a sense of like, oh, you know, yeah. let me just unpack this with you real yeah. quick. It's, it's a strong feeling of <laughs> familiarity. That's yeah, that's what it is. It's um, a strong feeling of familiarity that I feel like I don't I don't know how we, you know, um, make sure that we appreciate that further but like it definitely plays a role it does and you don't realize it until you like stop and think like oh you don't realize it until something happens here and you're like i don't want to see another white person yeah you know i'm just go to d hall and just talk to because i you know when i would be homesick and stuff like that like that level of familiarity really mattered and because i grew up in connecticut like it's kind of reversed there like most of the like staff that you see like you know essential worker staff is typically i would say like often white Mm -hmm. um or just more more mixed, not all black. Yeah. And at U of R, like it's all black. It's all black. <laughs> yeah. That's how my mom is a. Um, it works in the dining hall at the university, uh, St. Joe's. Okay, and you know, it's like I said, that strong sense of familiarity. familiarity yeah, where it's like, oh, so I like, think that plays a role into belonging. Just to switch it up like a, a little bit though, um, this question kind of makes me think about rep- reparations. 
Every, it's going to happen. Yes. But it's what gonna, I want to... it needs to happen. Of course. But I want to take it to a more like... Um, I'm going to bring it into this this context, context. this moment. They need um, to pay us. <laughs> you, already, you, already, you already answered the question. Yeah. But what do you think is owed to um, black students right now? Um, not just at U of R, but black students who have, you know, experienced this kind of PWI moment. Um Especially when we think about the invisible labor that y'all, um, you know, commit to or blindly commit to when you kind of sign up to help this space like change. Right. So it makes me think about reparations a bit, but like, seriously, what could these institutions give y'all right now right like because reparations especially in higher ed is often as i say this like theoretical conversation like we need to do it we're going to figure it out we're going to like you know put money in grants that you have to apply for that maybe you'll get like let's put all that to the side for a second and just like right now you know you're graduating on sunday you and your fellow comrades um who have done work on the black student coalition like what do you feel like is owed to you in terms of just like you didn't get all that. You already didn't give all it was supposed to give, you know? To be, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want nothing for myself. I'm good, you know? Uh, what they can do is look out for the next, the next people coming up. Because your experience is like... You know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I'd appreciate money, you know, of course. You know, <laughs> it's, it's actual labor. Like, I spent actual time, the hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, thinking, all of y'all have. Yeah, thinking we we've all had thinking critically and deeply mm-hmm. and putting a, an immense amount of effort and trying to make the, world. a better world, mm-hmm. um, but specifically this this place better. Yeah. So money is one. I I won't be shy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on a softer end, I think I think students and student activists should be celebrated in a way that donors are celebrated. Right. Say more about that. So uh, when you contribute something, when you contribute to the University of Richmond, right, Mm -hmm. and you contribute value, right, I can give you $10 million to go build an athletic building, an athletic building, and to you, that's valuable. Mm -hmm. And so I'll put my name on that so that you can remember the value that I brought to this university. Or they put their name on the building. They they put their name on it, uh, right? Yeah. It's me speaking as them. Um. And the university acknowledges, accepts, and celebrates that value. Mm-hmm. Forever. They, forever, <laughs> right? But what, the, what they don't not acknowledge, acknowledge sometimes, celebrate, no, and hardly ever remember, is the value created by student activists on campus, mm-hmm. right? And in what ways can we celebrate those people? Do you think there needs to be some investment in, like, memory and remembering the work that student leaders have done on this absolutely campus. and just black students you know in general for enduring and being here and then also being a student right mm-hmm. let's just acknowledge that like yeah you this is this four years is like <laughs> the only four years of your life that like it sounds cliche but like it's your four years yeah right yeah, like yeah. i'm telling you if you take any advice from me like after this it's like you know it's real shit yeah i mean it's always been real shit but it's like real, real. It's shit. real, real yeah, shit. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And I think college is like the only four years where you can create that kind of mystical illusion that like, right, oh, yeah, this is about yeah, me, yeah. and I'm gonna find myself. Like we're black. Like all four years are hard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and it's all real. But like you know, you had this kind of. You've been fortunate to have this kind of break filled with resources to really invest in yourself. And at the same time, you had to turn around and like be become 
you know, maybe something that you didn't set up to be. I mean, I think about this all the time when I see um, the mothers of black folks who have been, you know, whose lives have been taken by the police. I always think about like, what did that mother want to do? Right. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. what did, what did Tamir Rice's mom like want to do? Like maybe she just like wanted to chill on her porch right. and like knit every day. Like we will never know. And you don't, yeah. we'll never know what they just like wanted to do besides be pushed to the center of activism. And I yeah. always wonder, just, I, I always ask folks that I meet who are in that role of just like, what else did you want to do? Or what else do you do? Right? Like what kind of tea do you drink in the morning? What kind of books are you reading for pleasure? Like, mm -hmm. you know, what's a typical like uh, summer vacation for you? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Cause I feel like we always forget that these folks are also our people. Yeah. Man. Our people. And our I figures, and I love learning from them and like through those moments, you mm -hmm. know? So that's why I, 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 I asked you this question. Just like, you know, what do you feel like is, is, is owed um, for the way that you didn't just get to be a student? A lot of us, you know, experience that. We don't just get to be. We don't. And in terms of what we owe. Sorry about, um, I liked your point about memor memor like remembering. Remembering. Yeah. Remembering students who have impacted this campus just as much as we remember people who give money. Exactly. Which they, I think is a very clear demand. Demand right. number four. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, a, it's about who we, we want to recognize and value mm -hmm. and what is valuable. Um, I think time is, is, can be, if not more uh, valuable than, than the big money that people give to mm -hmm. this university. And do you think that this moment at U of R kind of like, changes our approach to the way that we like share and archive and document like knowledge. Like we're, I hope so. You know, like we're using podcasts right now to, you know, just get to know who you are beyond this political moment at U of R. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that this is just for me personally, I, I like to use this mode uh, for sharing learning because I think it's just, it's good that we archive our voice. Yeah. Right? Like I think, yeah, I'm sure that you you're a college graduate. I'm sure you can write a phenomenal paper about everything we're talking about, but like that's not going to reach all black people. Yeah. And it's not the same, like <laughs> people. In, yeah, yeah. Maybe people in our, like people in my community, like don't want to read my papers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and just, it's, just it's tell no, me like, my grandma would be like, just personal. tell me what you're, yeah. just tell me what yeah. you're studying. Yeah. I'm not going to slap in my essay down in front of my mom and be like, yeah, peep what I'm doing. Nah. So what are, what are ways I did ask you if you're a musical, but like, what are ways that um, that you disseminate or share or even archive? Like you, you talked about memory, mm -hmm. sorry, memory and the importance of memory and learning from those memories and also centering the memory of students who have had a big impact on this campus, just the way that we center folks that have, you know, big money as black students, like y'all's currency. Maybe you don't have, maybe you're not going to give $10 million, even if you had it to donate to build a new gym here, but you've given $10 million in sweat labor mm -hmm. and in intellect mm -hmm. um, and political organizing. Um, all of y'all have by just like being here, enduring it, and then turning around and still have enough energy to be like, this is how you can make changes, right? Yeah. Um, but what are ways that are like are important to you? I had asked if you're musical, but like just before we close, like I want to hear ways that you um, like to share knowledge or share your story or get knowledge out that is beyond just like the essay, you know? Yeah. And it's funny because I, I will say I do like to write. And so. Me too. I, I'm not yeah. shading writers. Yeah. 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 I, li I, do I like, like to write as well. And that's probably my It's just not the only mode. It's not. Yeah. I mean, it's, like I said, like I told you before, it's my first podcast. So, I mean, I like this. I like, mm -hmm. I love podcasts. I appreciate it because this is, this is a pretty, behind the scenes, pretty raggedy podcast, <laughs> but I'm doing my best. So I appreciate the compliments and um, it sounds like you like media work yeah. as well, but what are other, um, you know, I, I like 
like film, I have no knowledge in it, mm-hmm. right? I love documentaries, and I think those are like the visual, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of pair pairing with podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like, is how interested I am in, yeah. Um, and so I think that's that's a really good way to disseminate knowledge, like in an entertaining way. Mm-hmm. I have no experience or knowledge in it. I w- I would love to do something. In that, this makes realm. it more just more, it's more accessible. It is. Yeah, it's very it accessible. Be, yeah. I can see. I mean, I'm. I can see you being in film. I can see anybody being in film. I think we all have a story. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So yes, you could make a film about West Philly. <laughs> West Philly, the rich. <laughs> <laughs> Called Twisted. <laughs> Twisted. Twisted with TJ. Yeah, for sure. What podcast do you listen to? Because you walked in here and you was like, I love podcasts. I do. I do. I listen to uh, Planet Money. Okay. That's an economics podcast. Um, I hope that you check out Black Matter Podcast after. And I, I will. Yes. I will now. Now that you're on that. Yeah. Now that yeah. you're on episode. Um, I like Radiolab. It's just. A, I like Radiolab too. It's just about like random stuff. I mean, I have to be honest. Like, I, um, I don't like to drive. So because I don't like to drive, I don't often listen to it. But recently I have really gotten into NPR. Yeah, just NPR because pretty good. I think that NPR NPR reminds me of like going to a black church. Like you know how like when you go <laughs> to church, sometimes you're like, damn, I wasn't even planning on coming to church today, but the pastor he's speaking to me. Yeah, 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 speaking yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So, I've been sitting here for all seven hours. So. <laughs> yeah. There's something about NPR where I just love the the randomness of like you can turn it on just wherever you are, and I always feel like that interview today or like that um, celebrity that's on there or that story that they're mm-hmm. documenting. I'm like, damn, like I needed to hear that today. Yeah. I I like that. I just like the randomness. What podcast do you listen to? Um, I like to read a lot for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I, yeah, I listen to a lot of NPR and then, um, uh, oh, I love, uh, Angela Yee's podcast. Uh, that's more breakfast like, club. Yeah. I mean, I love breakfast club, but she has her own. Oh, she does. Yeah. She has her own podcast that I'm really into as well. And then there's a, there's one other one that I, I'm going to go to my library for sure. Um, yeah, NPR Up First, I listen to. I mean, honestly, I play the read a lot, to be honest. There's one about, oh, Lip Service is Angelese. Oh, okay. And then Code Switch, which is an NPR one that I like. I heard Code Switch is good. I never Code Switch to is them. decent. I listen to a few. I listen to a few of those. Um, and then I, I mean, I also really like Single in the City podcast by my friend Chelsea Lamore. Just fab podcast. And she's right. based in Richmond. Um, I've been on her podcast before, too. And like, I like Chelsea's podcast just because she has a huge personality and it's what I said. We're like, it's one of those podcasts where you could turn it on. You don't need to listen to like, you have to start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You could just skip into the episode and be like, Oh, I am there. Yeah. Like just because there's just such a presence. I listened to this one. It's called nice white parents. Oh, I heard that one. You heard I, yeah. That, one? that the one about like, it's follows them through different schools. And yeah. Stuff. yeah. I like that, that podcast that, that a lot. That was really good. Yeah. I did like that. Um, and then there's one called Him that I haven't gotten into too much, but it's a black queer podcast that I do like. So I've heard them a few times mm. as well. As black folks, I just think that like, it's good to just make sure that we are archiving our voice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like not only telling our stories through these institutions, like having a, I think whatever you do, if it's film, music, whatever, I think it's just really important that whatever you do professionally, you always have a way to just like, you know, center your voice. Yeah. And, and I think it, it's a cool way to like, let people use your voice. Yeah, yeah. Because you know a lot of what is done um, in terms of change is building upon what's already what's already there, and you don't know what. So you got to archive these moments for sure. Exactly. 
So TJ, this is dope. Yeah, Dr. Chad, this is fun. <laughs> this is fun. Tell people how they can um, get in touch with you. I want to say congratulations. Appreciate about it. About your, uh, you are, you know, entering a new chapter. So what's next? You're going to take, hopefully you're going to rest. Just have some joy over the summer. Yeah. But what do you, what do you, what do you plan on doing? Um, so I started a tech company in Richmond. A tech? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you're staying in Richmond? Yeah, I'll be in Richmond. Nice. I'll be in Richmond. And so, yeah, that's all, that's all I'll say about that. It'll, <laughs> it'll be more public information. My email is tracy1023 at gmail. Okay. People be calling me all day. No, I'm pretty sure that, like, you know, uh, folks, especially folks who are part of the University of Richmond community, um, you know, will listen to this and learn something from your story. Maybe, like, want to, you know, share some thoughts with you or bring you on to their, their platform to talk about some of, you know, the nuances of these issues. But I think it was just good to like bring all of y'all on and just like do this kind of like black student segment. Um, yeah, this of, is dope. Yeah. I, I appreciate you reaching out too. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and you know, this is a, this is a, a, a form of validation of, of what we experience and what we mm-hmm. are trying to do. And just to be clear, like still there's the disaffiliation is still a thing. Yeah. Right. And you're graduating on Sunday. So too bad that they couldn't get the demands done yeah. before graduation. But. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still really proud of everyone yep. uh, who worked on, who worked on it. Um, That's true. And so, yeah, hit me up, email me. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, this is Black Matter Podcast. We are signing out with TJ. Peace. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.